0: Welcome to the Inside Story on Franchising, with valuable insights on how to create multiple streams of income through franchising and building businesses. Host Ricardo Matos has spent more than 25 years building businesses in multiple industries and helping other business owners succeed. His expertise and entrepreneurial know-how will educate and inspire you. On the show, Ricardo brings together industry experts and insiders who share solutions and strategies along with a passion for helping entrepreneurs make the best decision when it comes to buying a franchise or any business opportunity and much more.
1: Hi, welcome to the Inside Story of Podcast. Today, we have Michael Heimbinder, <laughs> its founder and partner of Heimbinder and Dunn is a participating member of the American Bar Association of Franchising as well as New York City Bar Association. He has been selected as one of the best attorneys in franchising by his peers in conjunction with Franchise Time Editorial Board since 2004. Michael has also been recognized by Who's Who's Legal Franchise 2016 as being among the world leading franchise lawyers Michael, welcome to the Inside Story of Franchising. How are you doing today, sir?
2: I'm fine, thank you, bro. Good to see you. Good to see you, sir.
1: Hey, sir, but can you enlighten us more in depth on what you do and who you are and what do you do for the franchisees and franchisors in the franchise world?
2: Sure. Um, Well, we represent everyone that needs representation in the franchise world, to use your term. Um, on the fran- We represent both franchisees and franchisees. So for franchise or clients, we help them establish their franchise brands. We work with them to comply with uh, New York State and, and other requirements throughout the country and the Federal Trade Commission requirements for selling franchises. So we prepare the necessary legal documentation for that. We help them develop their plan and structure their franchise businesses. Um, and we represent them when they sell franchises. Um, we also represent franchise ores in a variety of different business aspects, aspects of their business. For example, leasing work, corporate structure, um, deals they make with non-franchise partners like suppliers and so on. Um, we represent them in acquiring other brands um, as well as in the sale of their brands if they, if they decide that they want to sell, sell cash out and, and sell their businesses to a third party. Uh, we represent franchisors as well in dispute resolution, so in lawsuits and, and problems in their franchise system with their franchisees. On the franchisee side, we represent everyone from a, a single-unit buyer, a guy who's never owned a franchise before and is looking to buy his first franchise, mm-hmm. um, to people who own 20, 30, 40 franchises. And in some cases, we represent all or most of the franchisees in a franchise system in connection with matters pertaining to their discussions or negotiations with the franchise company as well as deals with third parties. So we do pretty much everything that you can do in franchising.
1: Interesting. Very interesting. Now can you share with me what are some of the major challenges that your franchisees or franchise um had been encountered in this uh you know in this endeavor or pandemic or that we currently we have stating in today's society of business. Yeah,
2: you know it's interesting. Um, it's not surprising when you have conversations with your clients, but when you start when when you when you start talking about how the how the pandemic is affecting franchise businesses, it's different for different businesses. Yeah. So I, I can I can recall a, a story with um, one client of ours who owns a number of fast food restaurants um, in the southeast, southeast. and um, and I was talking to him about his business, and I assumed I said to him, I think I assume your business is not doing well given what's going on. He said to me, I've never had better business, better revenue than I have right now. Wow. Uh, people are eating out, or they're taking out rather. They're they're getting their food from wherever they can get it. If there's a drive-in window, they're more likely to go to that business than they are to go to a place where they have to sit down or go inside even to get a bag of food. They want to they want in many places they want it to be as little contact with other people as possible. So those businesses are actually thriving. Um, businesses that require um, a lot of direct contact between between their customers and uh, and the franchisees are having significant problems, and the ones that, that come to mind are ones involving uh, personal care, like uh, massage, um, estheticians, um, hair cutters. Those kind of businesses are having a great deal of difficulty. Um, those businesses that are involved in uh, child-related activities like enrichment centers or yeah. kids' sports, some are doing very well and some are having real challenges. And, and the ones that are doing really well are the ones who made an initial and immediate decision to try to convert their business into a virtual business. So I've got one client who who's in the, in kids' sports, and they made a decision to, to do as much as they could on the Internet, and they, they've gone through this, um, this period pretty well, uh, surprisingly well. And, and other clients that have had, you know, significant difficulties. It just, it depends on the nature of the business. It depends on whether they're creative and their approach to how to deal with it. Um, and it depends on who their customer base is and what their, where, what their ability
1: with tech, technology is and how they can structure their businesses.
2: So it, it's a lot of it is, the answer is it depends.
1: Interesting. And now with all those kind of pitfalls that they are, you are seeing on some of these franchisees and swords, where do your company uh is elaborating to help them achieve a solution for their pitfalls on the during condition what is it you guys are doing to help them organize that methodology
2: yeah well for franchise e-clients for example um what we're doing is we're trying to address these issues on a global basis for all but all franchisees in the system when we can okay. um to to discuss things collaboratively with the franchisor so that the franchisor is able to um, to take into consideration the capabilities and understanding and customer bases of their franchisees um, and work with the franchise or to develop programs and address issues that are coming up during the course of it so a lot of it is negotiation or communication with franchisors about how best to do that. Um, you know again it, the answer is still going to be it depends on the business but in in a case um, where I represent a client or client who's got over three hundred mall based franchisees, what we did in the very beginning of the pandemic is we um we, we started negotiating with the landlords my client has the so franchiseor has very strong relationships with national um, landlords of, of large malls throughout the country, like Simon Properties, for example, or others, and, um, and has negotiated with those uh, landlords on behalf of the franchisees and addressed issues on behalf of the franchisees um, with their landlords so that, that they, can, um, so they can help them get through this crisis. And so a lot of businesses have just you know, slowed down to a trickle or no business at all. So think about mall-based businesses in the first three or four months yeah. of the pandemic, businesses were closed completely and landlords were sending rent bills and my clients needed help or their their franchisees needed help. So we worked out, worked on behalf of the franchisees
1: from the franchise work
2: point of view to see if we could help them uh, address those issues with the landlords.
1: Yeah, well, let me ask you this. And another matter is outside the COVID-19. Since we also have a lot of viewers who are not franchisees or franchisors, what are some of the legal aspects that a business owner who is not a franchisor And what are some of the aspects of a person who wants to attain a franchisee should be asking, or they should be looking for more important things when coming to an organization like yours as a law firm, how can they benefit from? All right. Well,
2: let's start on the franchisor side. So there's a restaurant that has um, a couple of locations um, may decide that they have a, something that they believe can be scaled and grow into many, many more units. Um, if they're interested in doing that, what we do for them is quite a number of things from the beginning of the of the idea of franchising their businesses to, to get them ready legally to do that. And first of all, we've, we find that a lot of people who have businesses don't get trademark protection for those businesses. Mm-hmm. And a brand name is, is one of the most important aspects of franchising. So even if you're not considering franchising, but you have an interesting creative name, get it trademarked immediately. It's very inexpensive. It's quickly done, at least in terms of the filing of the of the request for the trademark, and you can start protecting yourself very quickly by by filing that paperwork. Um, so it, we, we find a lot of people come to us uh, wanting to franchise their businesses, and they and we ask for one of the first questions we ask is whether or not they've trademarked the name. So that's the first thing we do. Um, second thing we do. Um, we start thinking about is whether or not this business can be scaled. Is it replicable? Are you going to be able to train people to do what you're doing? We don't want to help somebody franchise a business that's not going to be able to make it through the process. You know, people need to understand that this is a a different business than say operating a restaurant. It's selling franchises. They need to be able to have the structure in place to do that. um, Or at least figure out how to get that structure in place to do that. And they need to figure out how they're going to be able to support franchisees when they start selling franchises. You can't just wake up one morning and be a franchisor. When they're ready to do this, when they're ready to actually franchise their businesses, we prepare a document that is required by the Federal Trade Commission in a number of states, including New York. It's called the Franchise Disclosure Document or FDD. And that document is the kind of document that you get when you're buying stock in a public offering. It's a prospectus of all of the information that the regulators have determined in their wisdom, I guess, what is necessary for someone to make a decision to invest a lot of money in a business like that. So you have to give the background of the franchise or you have to give a background of people that are involved in it. You have to give information to your prospective franchisee about how much it's gonna cost to set up that restaurant or that accounting practice or that floor cleaning service or whatever it is. Um, You have to attach to that document financial statements from your franchise business you have to attach to that document a a proposed franchise agreement and a whole bunch of other documents that are part of of the franchise or franchisee relationship Um, and we prepare and create all those documents uh, for our franchise or clients Um, one thing we do um, when we're helping a client franchise their business is we start talking about how they should structure their business so um, you know you may have two or three restaurants and you may have two or three companies that own those restaurants they're all owned by you individually or your stock in them or whatever it is but you have you have three different corporate entities or llc's operating those restaurants just as an example you would set up a separate franchise business um so that you set up what we would think of as a clean company one that's never had any business or financial um transactions before they became a franchisor and that way it makes it easier to to follow the regulatory requirements if you set up a separate new business okay. to do this we also set up a company um to sell the products of the franchise or so if you're in a restaurant business that and you have a really phenomenal proprietary recipe for some sort of condiment whatever it is a secret sauce if you will we we recommend to people that they that, that they have that Product line being sold by a separate company from the franchise company. There's a number of reasons to do that One of it one of those is that you may in addition to selling those to your franchise is you may want to sell those to the general public through supermarkets or something like that So we set up a business from the beginning that has a structure that allows you to expand it in different ways to bring in joint venture partners for the manufacture of products to sell products directly to the market in a way that's different from the way your franchisees sell the products to the market. Um, We do that all the time for clients and and we find that that gives them the maximum flexibility and and ability to grow and scale their businesses in whatever direction the market takes them. So that's what we do for franchisors. So we help them through the process of creating the franchise disclosure document. We help them once that document is done. We help them um, prepare as necessary the legal documents filed with the various states that require filing. New York requires you to file that FDV document with them, and they, they have some time not to approve the deal, but to approve the paperwork to make sure that it covers all the, all the rules. Um, we do that, and then that document has to be updated every year, so we, we file the updates, and we help them through the process of selling franchises as they start their franchise business and program uh, when they start negotiating with franchisees. Uh, On the franchisee side, if we're talking about a a person who's never owned a small business before and they're a teacher or an executive in a business or whatever it is, and they've decided they want to be an entrepreneur, what they will get from the franchisor that they're talking to is a franchise disclosure document. It's a detailed analytical document that describes what the deal is, what the investment is, what the background of the franchisor is, and so on, and gives you the name of all the franchisees in the system. Excuse me. Um, that document is a document that we provide, that we review from a legal, from the legal end. We analyze that document um, and, and give the, our our clients uh, a memo or outline of what the issues are that we see in the franchise document that we think they should negotiate or consider or concern themselves with, then we go on and negotiate those issues with the franchise or down the line. Um, and when they're ready to roll, when they're actually ready to start that business, we help them set up their entities. Um, work with the banks that they have to lend the money um, review their leases analyze their partnership agreements and so on so, so that brings up to- a qu-
1: so that brings up a question so what is the most important question a franchisee when they attain that financial disclosure document should be looking into for them to be aware on how to go about making the right decision of becoming franchisee owner and you helping them to work with the banks and so forth?
2: So in general,
1: you know, every
2: time you get into a business transaction, you should engage in some sort of due diligence. What that means depends on the nature of the business. In the franchise world, what that means is hire a lawyer and an accountant who know a little bit about franchising in the case of, a, of an attorney. And, for, and generally speaking, in the case of a franchisee, uh, in, in the case of an accountant, also hire someone who knows not only about franchising, but about your business. So hire a, uh, an accountant who has experience with restaurants. Um, you can hire professionals to do a lot of the due diligence that you need, but you should not sign an agreement until after someone's reviewed it, analyzed it, given you the, told you about the good and the bad in that document, and tried to negotiate on your behalf things that would improve the deal for you in the long term. There's due diligence on your side too. So if you're buying a franchise, uh, in addition to hiring a lawyer, you need to really research that business. And the research should consist of, of, among other things, uh, doing whatever research you can do online about the company, about what you've heard about, what what there is about the company, about Yelp reports on it, about um, problems in the franchise system and so on. But the single most important thing for a franchisee or a potential franchisee to do, other than hiring a lawyer and an accountant to review all this kind of stuff and doing a business plan is that they should reach out to the franchisees in the system or franchisees who have left the system
0: mm-hmm.
2: so they can get the inside story on what it's like to be a franchisee. And what they shouldn't do is call the list of four or five people that the franchise salesperson tells them to call.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: It's one of the franchise sales. Well, you're, you know, you're you're looking at this and saying, well, who would do that? I can tell you many people have done that. Yeah. And, and I can tell you that the franchise sales guy is a sales guy. So he's going to tell you, he's obviously going to give you the names of the right people to call, Carlo, and he's also going to, you know, he's going to sound convincing when he does it. But, you know, understand, he's a sales guy. And so what you really need to do is the, the Federal Trade Commission regulations and New York state rules and the rules of every state that regulates franchise sales requires a franchise door to have a list of franchisees who are currently in the franchise
1: system and those that have left the franchise system. Talk to them. Yes, I was recently evaluating a particular company that we wanted to represent, and as I researched them, I realized they had lost 63 members in the last year. Even though they had a very good, reputable record of who they were and what they were, uh, in other countries, in the United States, they did not do very well. And I realized this is not a company I wanted to represent due to the fact that they had 63 lost current existing members As I started contacting some of those members, they had a lot of down pitfalls on things that endured correctly because it was completely different market entity between in the European world compared to the United States entity world. But that brings up another question for me because basically between franchisors and franchisees, right, there are so many issues that can be faced with such a dispute, right? And there are many different types of dispute across the board within the franchise world from legality aspects. And what are some of the top ones or two disputes that you are seeing in the most likely case scenario? Can you give us an example? What are some of the breach of contract and fraud claims that you see across the board between franchisees and franchisors?
2: Sure. Um, as I said before, what we do a lot for clients in the franchise world is we represent them in disputes. So we represent both franchisors and franchisees. Um, the most common dispute that I see on both sides um, is is disputes around issues that relate to finance, referred to as financial performance representations. Earnings claims, information that the franchise or, or salesperson gives you about how much money you can expect to make in your franchise. And that could be simple statements like you'll do a million dollars a year in the first year to you'll break even within the first six months to statements that we've heard about. You'll be able to buy a new franchise in three months. You'll be doing so well to, you know, the guy you spoke to in, you know, in Brooklyn. He did okay, but you'll do five times better than him. Anything that gives you an indication of any... A- any aspect of how much money you're going to make put in your pocket have when you're when you're in this business for any period of time anything like that that's given to you that's not contained in the fdd in the franchise disclosure document any of those any of the, any of that kind of information is improper to provide and a lot of the disputes center on uh franchisors providing that kind of information improperly yeah um the other yeah most significant thing that we see is franchisors underestimate the cost of the initial investment
1: yes I see that too.
2: and um and i i have been involved in a number of cases and the best one i have this you know i've been doing this a long enough time that i have a you know a thousand war stories but my personal favorite in that arena is is a representing a, a bunch of gym franchisees who were um who were buying 20 of them, I was representing 20 franchises in the system, and were told that to open this gym, it would cost $50,000. And and it cost them over $200,000 to open. And when I dug into it and got information from the other side and asked the question at a deposition at a hearing, where did you get the number that you put in the FDD for how much money it'll cost to open? He said, well, we did that 20 years ago. And here it is. It. He pulled out a piece of yellow paper that was rolled up and crumbled up. That was it from, and this, this dispute was in 2010 and this was a 17 year old piece of paper yeah. that had, that he had written down how much it would cost 50 grand in, in, you know, in 1983 or something. And, um, and he told everybody who was buying the franchise that that's how much it would cost. Of course, it cost four times
1: as yeah, much. One the so got, realized, we, we yeah, one, the
2: I, one of the things that I- So we were able to get
1: those. Yeah, and one of the things that I realized is not all franchises are created equal and not all equal franchises are striving equally as successful from one to another. One of the key aspects that I tell people is all about location, location, location. And a lot of times, of a lot of realtors may actually tell you that this is the right location for that right business. And this is where a good lawyer who knows the entity of the business, just like you do, uh, will help. Also, a particular legality aspect of a, of a realtor or a consultant, or even us who are helping other people making the right decision, is to help them strive to that level of success that allows them to make the right decision in all aspects, from legality, from location, from profitability. Using the right accountant, using the right CPA using the right entity to grow their business in any possible direction. And I believe that one uh, manager to another, not all managers are created also equal, uh, and it's possible that certain things who the franchisees are striving because they do certain things that the franchisor are not helping them to do. Uh, And a lot of times uh, when we talk to people who are franchisees owners, Uh, It is possible that that one franchisee who's striving above all expectations of the rest is because they have experience on the area that they're bringing something else to the table, that they're allowing their business to strive a little bit forward. And it's also possible that the business duration that that person is being in business make a lot of effect to make those numbers look greater. Uh, It's like everything else. Every single business has to season. And one of the key aspects that people need to understand in the franchise world is that any business that comes into place, unless otherwise people don't know that you exist there, you don't know if you do going to strive. and uh, And the perception of the idea of one person to another, each business that it may be proven, and may be great business in one particular area, but not necessarily maybe great in another area of location, depending upon the population, depending on the kind of product that you offer offering services. So we're clear on that aspect, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the franchisor or franchisees are doing things illegally, right? They're just making sure that certain individuals are probably more eager, more more aggressive on how to go about doing certain things in the business. But do you see a lot of issues between the franchisor and a franchisee disputing ideas of why one business is succeeding and the other one is not within the same franchisor or franchisee's entity?
2: Well, you know, we we see, it, especially when we're representing, you know, multiple units in a franchise, in a franchise, multiple franchisees in a franchise system, we see there's a really large difference between the best, the highest revenue generators and the lowest gener- revenue generators, and that may be location within a particular city, or it may just be that they're in in different areas. You're always going to make more money where. Before a year ago, I would have said this you always make more money if you're in midtown Manhattan than you will if you're in a smaller city that doesn't have an active, you know office kind of uh, kind of culture and people going out to lunch um, You know, we, we see that all the time. Sometimes it's it's the franchisees. Sometimes it's just the location You really have to do an analysis of it all. You got to get customer accounts people going by you've got to. Um, due diligence on the rental cost. you got to look at the location. you got to look at cross streets. I'm representing one client whose big issue is the fact that one of the big highways in New York, he's a drive-through, right? And, and he's in Queens. And uh-huh. if you make a right, if you're coming on to get onto the Cross Island Expressway, you're not going to pass his store. So he realizes that it's not only, it's not only, the, you know, whether the location looks good, it's whether or not, it gets the traffic at a certain time of day
1: yeah
2: you know and and all of those things come into play as a lawyer i don't provide that information because i don't have that kind of expertise i have enough expertise to know that i sh- that my clients should be thinking about things like that and getting to the right person who can direct them to things and, and also that they should know it's you know it's it's depends on e- so many things play into this that they really have to find the right people to get advice from. I remember speaking to a guy in, um, who was opening a franchise in Phoenix and, and the issue for him was which side of the street he was on. Same street, which side of the street's a better side to be on? So if there's shade, it's you know, it's 100 degrees, right? In in Arizona in Phoenix, you know, in in May so he, he realized when he's looking for space that there's shade on the north side of the street but no shade on the south side of the street so the better place to be and where people walk is on the south side of the street yeah. or, whichever it was but you know they, they all you know it's, it's so dependent on everything you know where you're located in the mall what mall you're going into what are the anchors in that mall. yes
1: the foot traffic right so you know yeah. um, before we we were running a little out of time but before we actually uh, finished our podcast can you tell us that you were recently recognized in the who's who's of legal franchise in 2016 can you elaborate a little bit more what your leading role was in this entire um uh nomination that you were recently acquired back in 2016.
2: Well first of all I think I've been uh, recognized on in the last several years as well I don't know what my resume indicates only that 2016 but I'm recognized in a lot of different um in a lot of different publications for my um involvement in this industry. And, and it's because it's mostly peer-reviewed. It's mostly other lawyers who give you the recommendations. I you. And I've been doing this for quite a while. And I know a great many lawyers um, who practice in this field. And um, I have, I think, a very good reputation for the way I represent my clients, honestly and aggressively. Um, we do, I do a lot of writing and a lot of speaking. I, I speak at am, and am involved in the premier organizations in the franchise world. Uh, for Lawyers, which is the American Bar Association Forum on Franchising, and the International Franchise Association. And the International Franchise Association is more of a business group, um, but there's a a legal part of that called the legal task. I was on the legal task force, which created the program for this year. And I spoke um, at at an event in October for the American Bar Association on issues relating to franchising insurance issues. So, uh, you know, I've been speaking at these things every other year. Or every year for the last 20-something years, um, you know, we we, as I said, have a pretty good reputation in the field. We do a lot of work on behalf of both franchisors and franchisees, and I think that that's been recognized, and the quality of the work's been
1: recognized. Very nice. Well, Michael, um, we have running out of time, but um, real quick, I want to thank you for being part of our podcast. I want to thank you for the such a great insightful information that you have contributed to our community, to our society. And everyone who wants to own a franchise or even turn their business into a franchise or entity of matter. Now, where can our listeners go and learn more about you? And what do you do, uh, how they can connect you to LinkedIn, uh, social media? Can you elaborate on that a little bit?
2: Sure. Uh, well, first of all, our website um, our website is ed-lawfirm.com. I think you're going to put it up at the end of the of the, uh, of the the podcast. But, um uh, you can reach me via email at me at ed firm.com. You can call our office phone number, although I'm working remotely and have been since March. Um, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. I'm happy to, to, to respond to any inquiry I get. Um, but anything that you that you want to know about this field, I'm happy to talk to people. We, you know, we're, amenable to having a quick conversation about issues about their franchise and seeing if we can get more deeply involved and help them do it. So I'm open to, you know, to conversations with anyone who has questions about the process and what they need to do. And, you know, we have a, a lot of contacts in this industry and help with accountants and brokers and other people that can that can help you establish your business, uh, whether you're on the franchise
1: or side of the franchise. I appreciate much for your information. I give you two thumbs up who you are and what you are all about. And I'm grateful that you're actually helping people to make sure they're doing the right decision. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a great day, my friend. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to the Inside Story on Franchising with your host, Ricardo Matos. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review on your preferred podcast listening platform. That way you'll never miss a new episode and you can help spread the word to more entrepreneurs like yourself. We really appreciate that effort and we'll catch you next time.